Hope's Harbor, Gritty Bible Devotions by David Bradley. Why angry and how to reduce it, part two of two. The key verse is 1 Samuel twenty-five thirty-three. And blessed is your advice and blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. And that's David talking to a rascal's wife, and her name was Abigail. To reduce anger, at times it takes intercession, either that of someone actually interceding, as Abigail did with David in the key verse, or having a thought come to mind reminding us the course of action we're about to take is wrong. And as for an interceding thought, where does one of those come from? Well, first, let's look at what happened when David set out to kill every male in Abigail's household, and then look at how to plant thoughts to help us when anger is upon us. And this is when we go after it. The devotion focus is reduce toxic anger. Have you ever been so angry you said or did something you regretted later, after you cooled off? And if so, you know how bad it can feel. But anger has that kind of power if we don't control it. And listen, I know how hard it is to control deep-seated anger. Let's see if the story involving Abigail's intervention can help us see how to prevent someone from even having to stand up to us when we're about to explode. And we'll see if we can draw conclusions and apply those to our lives. So how did a good woman save David from irreversible damage before he was king when his rage was set on murder? Well, the background for this event is in the years David was on the run from King Saul, who intended to kill David, men gathered to David, men who were also outcast, and they supplied themselves by serving landowners, by protecting their herds from raiders. Now, after one such season, when the sheep were being sheared and their wool sold, David sent men to a wealthy man named Nabal, asking for compensation in return for serving him by protecting his wealth. Nabal refused. This is found in 1 Samuel 25, verse 9, down through 13. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all the words in the name of David and waited. Verse 10. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? Who is this son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays breaking away each one from his master. Verse 11. Shall I then take my bread and water and meat I've killed for my shearers and give it to men when I do not know where they are from? Verse 12. So David's young men turned on their heels and went back, and they came and told him all these words. Verse 13. Then David said to his men, Every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. So David intends to end Nabal's life and everything he has. But then Nabal's wife, Abigail, hears from a servant, David is coming. The servant tells her what is about to befall Nabal. And so Abigail takes actions, the actions of a good woman, and she has supplies packed, I suppose loaded on donkeys. I want to jump down to 1 Samuel 25, verse 20. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under cover of the hill, and there were David and his men coming down toward her, and she met them. Verse 21. Now David had said, Surely in vain 
I have protected all this fellow has in the wilderness, so nothing was missed of all that belongs to him, and he has repaid me evil for good. Verse 22. May God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. Now, Abigail, when she talks to David, she tells him that her husband's name means fool and that she knew nothing about what transpired before. But she also tells David if he commits murder, this will be a blight on his rule once he becomes king. I want to jump down to verse 26, and this is Abigail interceding with David. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and avenging yourself with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. Verse 30, and it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, verse 31, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. So Abigail kept David from committing murder in his anger against her husband. Now, before Abigail has to intervene, what could David have done to keep his anger in check? Of course, David didn't have access to the psychology of today, but still he could have applied some of these things that we now know help keep anger from exploding. And what I want to read down through are a few suggestions from the Mayo Clinic, and the link is in the show notes. I'll read the headings, and if you want to read the suggested applications, you can go to hopesharbor.net or mayoclinic.org. Anger Management 10 Tips to Tame Your Temper Keeping your temper in check can be challenging. Use simple anger management tips, from taking a time out to using I statements to stay in control. And so I'm just going to read down through these topic headings without going into all the detail. But I want to add what David could have done. So the first one here is think before you speak. For David, once he told his men to saddle up, It was too late for his ego to back down, not thinking about what he was going to say. Number two, once you're calm, express your concerns. For David, if David had discussed the issue with Nabal with just one or two trusted men in his company, he may have stayed in camp. Three, get some exercise. For David, take his sword and whack a stump or something. And then also, he was a musician. He could have played some music and probably would have calmed him down. Four, take a time out. And for David, it could be just walking it off. He lived in desolate areas, plenty of places to take in the scenery. Five, identify possible solutions. For David, it would consider going himself and appeal to Nabal, but David's pride most likely prevented this. And number six, stick with I statements. Instead of blaming everyone else, we are to look at what we can say. And for David, I would leave that to your imagination, what he could have said to others to help diffuse his anger. Not sure about that one, actually. Seven, don't hold a grudge. For David, grudge-filled thinking will inevitably lead to vengeful acts. Forgiving Nabal may have made the man an ally after David became king. We'll never know. And number eight, use humor to release tension. 
Now, for David, I'm not sure what kind of humor passed around camp in those days. Maybe make up a song about Nabal's hairstyle. There goes Nabal, bald as a cue ball. I'm bald, so I can say this. Number nine, practice relaxation skills. And for David, again, he was a renowned musician. He used it to soothe King Saul before he fell out of favor, and surely music would have helped. Number 10, know when to seek help. And so for David, there's safety in numbers when it comes to wise counselors. They could have played mental chess with the circumstances involving Nabal, such as if I move against him, the next move will be, or the consequence could be. And so not only will these suggestions help any one of us living with anger, they would have benefited David as king if he had applied them. Now, some levels of anger are are so deep, just wanting to not be angry isn't going to work. I have deep-seated anger, and from the way I was treated as a child, it's so deep it has taken additional counseling recently to reach my subconscious mind to alleviate that anger. And it often manifests itself in my life as constant frustration or irritation. So in this too, going around like that all the time, it's damaging to relationships, always being irritated. It makes people dislike and even dread being around us. And it was the leading cause my first marriage failed after 30 years. And even if the reasons for your anger are understandable, taking out your anger on those around you, especially family, it makes life hell on earth for them. So what can you do about being so angry other than the points we've talked about? Well, you can take an online assessment to get an idea of the kind of anger you're dealing with. And in the show notes, there are a list of 10 common tests that are applied by psychologists. And then for further information, you can also visit uh, these Christian sites, and that's the fivelovelanguages.com and focusonthefamily.com. The following articles may also be found on the Mayo Clinic's website, and those, again, are at mayoclinic.org, and then just do a search. And so finally, explosive anger is extremely damaging to children whose minds and emotions are so tender and fragile. You will cause lasting harm to them by losing your temper. And I'm not talking about once in a while or things where you kind of lose it. I'm talking about ongoing outbursts of anger and loss of temper. Call it what you will. But if you will take action now, it will save you untold heartache later. And a final word about anger. For some reason, there is a stigma among Christians attached to having anger. I don't know why this is, but so many times when a Christian is told they have a problem with anger, what do you think? That's right, they get angry. Now listen, if someone cares enough about you to confront you about your temper, find out more about it before you blow up on them. I've lost three friendships because of telling someone the truth about their anger. And each time I told them, I recognize it because I deal with it too. And one of those guys even asked me if I thought he had issues with anger because an employer confronted him about it. But no matter, when I told him the truth, he got mad and it ended our friendship. So in summary, anger is rarely justified. And even if it is, we must react with restraint. There is no way to unring the bell when we react with harsh, even violent behavior or words, even if the anger is justified. An unjustified anger on our part is toxic. It harms us and it harms our loved ones. 
Most anger is a reaction affecting us deep down. It's touching a wound, triggering us because of something from our past. But it is our duty as Christians to rid ourselves of toxic anger. And this may very well include professional counseling. I can tell you I've benefited greatly by that. Now, the action to consider is read through the articles listed on the websites I named. You will find them in the show notes at hopesharbor.net. Then go to work. Do the work necessary to reduce and eventually rid you of that unhealthy anger. Next week's devotion is forgiveness. What does it cost? You've been listening to Hope's Harbor, gritty Bible devotions by David Bradley. To get show notes, visit hopesharbor.net.